0: Welcome to the No Risk Sports Performance Podcast, where we discuss all things sports performance, from training to nutrition and recovery to individual and team victories on and off the field. I'm your host, Judah Boulay, owner of No Risk Sports Performance in Lincoln, Rhode Island. I'm ready to roll, so let's do this. Hey, folks, welcome back to another episode of the No Risk Sports Performance Podcast. today i have an exciting guest on her name is jay taft jay runs or owns u.s girls basketball or us girls basketball i apologize Um, and she is a former collegiate basketball player where she started her um career at olivet nazarene college and then finished it at southeastern university in florida um so jay welcome to the show and um i probably you probably can fill in so much more about your bio. So let the audience know a little bit about yourself. Yeah.
1: Well, thank you. Yeah. Thank you, Judah, for having me on the podcast. I'm super excited to be on. Um, Yeah. So I am, uh, I started um, a company, a platform, whatever you want to call it, called us girls basketball. And um, it's just simply, I have, I have a podcast um, off of it. And it's just simply to help um, women basketball players elevate their skills on court and off court. So I do a lot of mindset development along with sports as well as basketball, like skill training. So that's where the on court, off court stuff comes from. Um, I did play college basketball. The first two years was at a school of Nazarene. And then I ended up playing one kind of year at Southeastern where I um, ended up cutting my career short with mental health and just Things that kind of went on behind the scenes that were unfortunate. So um, that's kind of what spun me to really help create us girls basketball. And with the push of my dad giving me the idea, because I was just so done with basketball. I was in a really bad spot mentally with it, um, and it really sucked because I loved the game. I literally sacrificed everything to play college basketball and even like social life and, <laughs> and stuff like that. So I really took a a turn with that and um, was able to find my love again for it. And kind of take my bad experiences and my, um, negative thoughts and stuff and turn them into a positive and give them back to girls and other athletes who are dealing with the same stuff, because what I've noticed in the athletic world, mental health is so much bigger than what I thought it was. Um, and that's kind of like my, my big goal with it for sure.
0: Okay. So, um, we got two avenues we can go down. All right. Yeah. We have the on-court stuff and the, and the skill development, and then mm-hmm. we have the off-court. Um, so let's address each one. For sure. um, separately because they're both very, two very important components of the game and maybe the off-court is even more important than like the on-court stuff. Mm-hmm. So we'll save that one for last cause it's probably going to be a longer, deeper discussion. So on-court, so with the basketball players, um, what do you see? Because we talk about training here um, for female basketball players and in high school. What do you feel, or what do you see, is the biggest deficit um, that they have from an athletic standpoint or a training standpoint?
1: Honestly, I would say, and this kind of like ties into mindset, but I would say confidence. Like there are things that, like even like with some of the the, the teams that I train now. I'll have them do like a dribbling move. That's really not crazy. It's just not like your basic fundamental, like one dribble pound. And they like have this like scared look on their face (laughs) and they're like, wait, what? I'm like, no, you can do it. You know, those things. So, um, and as females, it's kind of, and as a coach, you probably know this psychologically, we aim to please, we aim to, I'm not disappoint. Like, we don't want to do that. That's why we ask 5 million questions a <laughs> lot in practice. So, honestly, I would say like confidence and then the skill comes after that. But for the girls who kind of like already kind of have that confidence or like they're just working through it, I honestly would just say how, like their movement. You know what I mean? Like, teaching them that they can be fast, teaching them that they can handle the ball, teaching them that they can go in and be crafty in the lane. Um, those types of things, because almost like I hate saying it because, you know, women's like sports empowerment, but it's almost like you got to keep training them like you would the boys. Like there's multiple practices I've seen where a male coach has led the girls for the first two hours. And then the then an, another boys group came in that were actually younger and he's doing like way more advanced dribbling moves with the boys and not challenging the girls. So from like a training standpoint, train each athlete the same. The only way you train them different is, is that if literally their skill set is just they need more fundamentals. Um, so I would say in the training world, that's what I've seen a lot, just stepping into it from the year I've been out of college and and, and all of that and just in my experience as well. Um, I don't know if that answered the question completely, but that's just something that I've kind yeah. of like noticed. No,
0: that's, that's, that's a really good point. Um, I don't know if I've trained... F- women's teams as well as men's teams in rugby and i've trained female athletes and men's athletes in the weight room or the and and, and movement and you know you made me just start to think if i had ever approached them differently Mm -hmm. and i don't feel i have it's these are the fundamentals let's learn the fundamentals and then we're going to progress and i actually i started coaching females first Mm -hmm. And the same structure I took to coaching females, I took right to coaching the males. So I had one way to do it. And maybe it was a blessing that I started coaching females first, Mm -hmm. because like, this is the way I learned it. So I'm going to teach you the way I learned it and (laughs) my progress, my progression. And then when I moved to a men's team, it was like, all right, this is my progression. And this is the way I learned. it. This is how I used it before. And this is what works. Mm -hmm. Um, How about off the court from a strength and conditioning perspective in terms of like, you know, um, there's a great amount of emphasis on skill development, especially at the yeah. high school level. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, say the, the younger girls coming in athletically, um, are you seeing any fundamental skills that they lack? Are you seeing like their move any movement patterns, which, you know, cause female athletes are more at risk for ACL tears just because of um, their physiological structure. Um, are you seeing like development issues with the younger girls or like were things which lack in their training that they really should start implementing at a younger age?
1: Yeah. um, I think, yeah, I would say, you know just as a female and like just how we are built, like, you know, we're talking about the knees, like our hips, um certain things like that. So I feel like, you know, I just talked about like training like a boy, but I'm talking about on court stuff, like how you push them, how you, train them all this, but I feel like there's a lot of things like you need to prep females for when they're younger, like, you know, maybe doing hip work, getting their knees strong, because if you see a lot of these girls, we're just, it's just naturally being just weak, you know what I mean? And building that strength up and and not being like, I guess one of the things that I've noticed and I've gotten, I've heard this a lot from my dad and I take it into my, you know, coaching philosophy is like, just because your previous coach did something that doesn't mean it's right that doesn't mean that you should do that. You know what I mean? So it's like, you know, especially in basketball, like the big thing is like, get on the line and run until I tell you to stop, you know, or being like that type of stuff. But like, is that really benefiting your athlete, especially like looking at it from a female perspective? And like, I know, um, there's just, you know, a lot of negativities that a lot of people will say with coaching females, but like, in reality, like you have to look at even like the hormone aspect of it. A lot of these people are getting these females when like they're starting, like getting their periods, they're getting, they're growing. They're trying just to figure out their body in general. So it's like taking that into your training, I would say is super important because we want to develop strong knees. We want to develop strong hips because then you start to see like, I mean, I'm seeing these girls who are like, freshman in high school already with knee braces on or like one girl, she's an eighth grader that I train and she's already like has major hip problems. And it's like, that could be overuse. That could be poor training. That could be just neglect. Like You know what I mean? So I would say the just overall awareness of a female body and how the body develops is something that I think is starting to be more of a conversation between coaches, but I think needs to be taught more especially like in school or through certifications or through whatever I think that that's something that's extremely important because then it goes into like college you know what I mean then you start getting when you go to the next level like I can already tell you my body I'm 23 years old and my body feels like old because of college basketball and it's because like of prep work you know what I mean like I was blessed to have my dad in high school and I felt great. Like I did not have injuries. Like I felt good. Like, yeah, I would have soreness that's natural. But like in college, I mean, I developed like so many injuries because of prep work and stuff like that. So I think taking those things into consideration while training female athletes specifically, um, is something that needs to be changed.
0: So you're saying that in college, they didn't do the prep work necessary to make the athletes feel better after all those work on the court?
1: Um, yeah, in some cases, I think they had the right intentions. I just don't think it was done correctly. I mean, like I had, um, so I had a stress reaction, which and then I had bite. I have bicep tendonitis because of it. And I have, um, not because of the stress reaction, but because of college. And then I had something wrong with my foot and I felt like they, their hearts were in the right place with trying to help me. But it wasn't helping like the things they were doing were not proactive. Like it wasn't things like, you know, I went home for the summer and it felt better in 10 minutes than the whole season. You know what I mean? so it's like one of those things where just being like learning more and not going necessarily with the old, like, like athletic training ways or like getting out of that box Um, and just understanding uh, just athletic movement and skill development as a whole, I think is something That needs to get looked into more.
0: Right. You keep alluding to your dad. So we'll just announce. So um, Jay's dad is Lee Taft. Mm -hmm. He's one of the premier um, speed uh, movement coaches uh, for athletic development in the country. So she was very blessed to be under his tutelage um, (laughs) uh, and during her career. Um, But so, Jay, when you were coming up from, let's say, seventh grade to 12th grade, Mm -hmm. um, how much time training off the court to on the court did you do? That was like, what was that split like?
1: Yeah, um, I would say, man, that's a really good question. I would say I, when I trained, it was very intentional. So I wasn't in the gym for three hours because I didn't need to be. You know what I mean? I just needed to get in and get out, but like be intentional with it. If I wasn't feeling it that day, I'm just going to make myself worse. I might just say, you know what? Maybe today's like a stretching day or I need to go watch film or I need to, do something like that or just I need to work through the mental aspect of it. Um so I would say, I am mean, especially like, you know, just again alluding back to my dad, like I think people would have a preconceived notion that he was very hard and like always working me out and even my siblings. And then he wasn't. It was always me going to him saying, hey dad, can you work me out? Cause he didn't want to make it forced. He wanted me to like love the game because I love the game or play the game because I wanted to play. So um a lot of it was on my own. I mean like, or getting him to help me. Um, you know, he knew my goals. He knew where I wanted to go. So, like, if I was being lazy one day, or like not really in it that week, he would like remind me, kind of be like, "Hey, like, you, you got to do something. Like, if you want, if you want to do this." But I would say I had a really healthy balance. Now, I did say I made a lot of sacrifices, and there wasn't much of a social life. I still had fun. Like, I still like when I was like at practice or, or before practice, after practice, like talking to my teammates, like, I like love my family, love hanging out with them. Like, so, you know, got to like spend time with them. Um, I also am, I, I majored in film and I do a lot of social media content creation, photography, all that stuff. So I got to kind of like, almost like in a way escape the court a little bit um, by doing the creative things, whether that's filming a video, editing a video, taking photos, like all of those things. So I felt like I had a really good balance of like on the court, like working out, I'm in practice. um, I'm doing my strength workout. I'm doing like things necessary to get me to the next level, but I'm also on the other end, still thinking about my creative side and exploring that and, and being able to um, grow in that passion as well.
0: Okay. So on your Instagram, you have some pretty sick basketball dribbling. <laughs> <laughs> Thank right. you. Um, dang, I wouldn't, I'm not that coordinated. So <laughs> uh, luckily my ch- my children have their mother's um, genetic skill and so versus is like mine. Um, so like in terms of training time to get to that level, right? So a lot of, you know, especially in this day and age where like there's instant gratification, right? because of social media or people only see the highlights um when how long did it take for that skill to develop where you're able to be that proficient with dribbling the basketball with both hands
1: yeah um it definitely I I would say it's an everyday thing like it's from the time I started to dribble the ball until now you know what I mean like I literally like, you know, sometimes like when you like stop playing a sport for a while, then you feel rusty and whatever ball handling. I never feel rusty in like I because I did it so much. Like it was one of those things where God bless my parents. They would let us dribble in the house like we had this like little like hardwood kind of floor, like right by the door. And it was small, it was tiny, but like when it was cold in Indiana and the garage was too cold, we would dribble there. My dad would literally put his timer on and say, 10 minutes, go. And we would just dribble and just go nuts with it. I mean, dribbling was like, especially for me being five foot three, like I had to be better at dribbling than most people just to play at the college level. Cause I had, my height was a disadvantage. So I had to figure out other ways to be better at that. So Yeah. I would say it's just an everyday constant thing. Like you see girls who like maybe start basketball, like middle school, and then they end up getting a college scholarship. That's because they put the work in every day. So, and it's not even just physical work. Like it's, it's mental work too, whether that's, you know what, I'm really sore today. I'm not really feeling it. Maybe I'll watch some like game film or in my head, I'll think of situations of like the skills that I'm working on, or I did yesterday in the gym. I can think of situations. Um, imagine them and think okay how would i apply this skill in the game this next weekend or this next whatever so it's just everyday prep work and i wouldn't say like a timeline i will say yeah i started probably at like 4 or 5 years old and i'm 23 now so like definitely majority of my life has been spent training but um yeah i would just say con- consistency within your training is what's going to get you far and continuing to take that next step like every every single day
0: all right. So as we transition over to the mindset piece, you just mentioned something like you might have taken a day off, but you visualized, mm-hmm. all right, what happened and how you can make it better, how mm-hmm. important, and this is something I'm a big fan of. And I try to get my rugby players to like visualize themselves in a game. Mm-hmm. And I, I think they laugh at me, you know, cause like yeah. I'll watch a rugby match and then I'll like visualize how that would look like on our field for the team implementing it. So I can coach it better. Yeah, Uh, But then I try to have the guys visualize themselves in a match. And it's like, nobody does it. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's one of the most underrated or underdeveloped skills. How, Mm -hmm. what's your take on that? Because obviously you're a fan of it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a really big tool and it's kind of funny. I'll tell you a quick story. (laughs) The girls that I'm training, I'm, I'm coaching. I like, every time I do a skill, I always say, why the skill? Why are we doing it? And I think I tell them, I'm like, why are you doing the skill? Imagine the defender there, or imagine in game. So you kind of like, it's not just oh, like, Coach J is just throwing a skill at me to waste time. You know what I mean? Like, this is why I'm doing it. So I try to get them in that headspace. And um, they looked at me funny. Like I told them, they played like a really bad game. um, One of the weekends. And I told them, I was like, think about it. I said, it's, you're going to laugh at me, but like, imagine it, like go to sleep tonight, thinking about the game, thinking about these things. And one, they laughed at me the next day. The girl, one of the girls comes in and says, coach Jay, I dreamed about the game last night and she played the best game during the weekend. And I was like, Hey, there's a method to my madness girl. Like, I'm like, I promise you I'm not just saying this stuff because I'm crazy. <laughs> but um, yeah, I would. And I was the same way. Like when I heard it at a camp for the first time, I was like, imagine, wait, sports are like 80% mental. What do you mean? Like, then why am I spending hours on hours on the court? If it's mental, you know what I mean? Like in my head. And then I would say I really developed it, uh, my senior year of high school. Cause I would before every game, like, you know, you, you, like the coach, which was my dad at the time, um, puts you know, our, our objectives, like what we're going to run, all of these things like to start the game. So I remember when I, we, when we had time to kind of just relax before the game, I always remember, I'd like put my head down and think through it. How am I going to run this play? How am I going to do this? What's going to happen if this girl hedges a screen? What like this? So I would like mentally prepare myself before the game. That way I was more confident going into it, knowing that I can, I can do it. So I agree with you. I think it's an underrated skill that a lot of people don't, think about in general. Um, I think the mindset world in itself is starting to make a little breakthrough in the sports world a little bit more. Like people are starting to be a little bit more aware of it, which is really great. But I think though the imagination tool is like at the bottom of the list because it seems funny, but like, it's almost like extra reps. I heard that before and I was like, true. Like if you're developing a shot and like, you're reworking it and stuff, like go through it, like feel it out. Like maybe that's like, while you're like, laying in bed, going to sleep or like, you're just laying there, like feel out. How do, how do my feet feel on the floor? How do my knees feel when I bend? Like how much should I bend Um, my shoulder? How is it following through? Am I putting like putting my hand towards the rim? Like even imagine the the ball swishing, you know what I mean? Things like that. And I think it helps like tremendously, like even like not just in sports life, but like your real life too. Like it, it helps so much.
0: Yeah. No, it's funny because I have, um, I'm working with a girl. She's going to, uh, play college hockey and like, mm. she was, you could, I could just see we were doing doing a hand car clean and, um, you could just see she was getting in her head too much. Mm. So I was like, I right, put the bar down, step back, close your eyes. All right. Take three deep breaths and then visualize all you need to do. And you make the lift mm. and like, she steps back. Right. Does listens does the whole process Mm -hmm. steps up to the bar picks it up just picks it up and does it and she hits it right and she was like oh my god that was incredible i was like yes i'm like there's there's a lot more to it you know like there's a lot more Uh to doing athletics than just the physical all right so we're going to start shifting over to like the um the the mindset and the um, emotional um psychological Mm -hmm. component of sport so you had mentioned about confidence, um, before, um, before we get into that, how important do you feel, um, is the coach of a team to athletes developing a confident mindset?
1: Like a thousand percent. I think it's really important because I've been a part of multiple teams where when I had a really good connection with the coach and I genuinely believe that the coach cared about me as a person and cared about my heart and my mind. And like, putting me in the best position possible. It was totally different. Like my mindset was good. It was just like me being an athlete and a perfectionist and, you know, all of those types of things that would like get at me, but from like a confidence level and those, it was great. Um, When I've had coaches that were definitely borderline mentally abusive and definitely um, not in it. I feel like for the right reasons or they let their ego kind of like swoop in and, and it's about them, not the players totally different. Not much respect, not much connection, um, really not much confidence. And you get confused because you don't know where the coach stands. They'll tell you one thing. And then like in the game, it's different or like the way they talk to you, the way they interact with you. So I think from a mindset perspective, yeah, we talk about players. We talk about you having a strong mindset, but it's just as much as the coach and the coach understanding the ment like the mental side of a sport. um, I think that's what separates a lot of coaches, to be honest.
0: Yeah, yeah, I'm a big fan. So I had when I was growing up, it was the old school where like, you know, um, they coached the way they were coached, you know, and it was like really negative and it was all about pointing out the flaws and it was like no positive development and like, and there's still coaches around that are that way. And I might have even been that way when I first started coaching, but then Mm -hmm. You know, I learned about positive coaching and the fact that like, yeah, the outcome kind of matters, but like the outcome doesn't matter as much as how everybody plays the game. Right. Mm -hmm. So sometimes teams are just better. Right. Mm -hmm. And sometimes a, a team could play the best game that they ever played and they lose and that should be celebrated because everyone did their part and they played well. And so, you know, that, you know, so it's, it might not necessarily be a victory, but it was a victory in some regards. Um, And I, with my kids, I'm really, you know, I don't want them to lose the love of mm-hmm. the sports they play. So like, I'm always looking at who coaches are at the different levels because, yeah. you know, there's the same old, like the older coaches who are just cranky and only point out the negatives and mm-hmm. don't do anything to raise the spirits or raise the love of the game for these youth athletes. And I think that's a detriment. You know, it doesn't matter what level you played at. It doesn't matter what level you've coached. If you're not able to convey, you know, a positive coaching mindset to players, I think that puts them out of detriment. Um, how so mindset, right? And you mentioned, you know, like one of the one of the goals of your company is to work on not only on the court skills, which is the dribbling, ball handling and skill development, but also the off the court. So um speak to that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, again, kind of talking like just some of the points of how, you know, I talked about like I had a coach tell me or like a camp, they're like, yeah, mindset is like 80% of the game. And like I'm like, what? No. Yeah, it is. <laughs> like I was like, because I just like even for like a quick example, I felt like especially when I got to college, like I there was just a lot of things that happened like with injuries and sickness and, and coaching and stuff like that, that I felt like I always was in this like constant pressure to prove, like I was always trying to prove myself instead of just relaxing. And then now that I'm not playing competitively, but I'll go play like open gyms, I'll play with, um, I'll hop in with like the girls that I, I um, coach, like just different things like that. And even when I played intramurals of just like, like at my college and stuff like that, how free I was. I had no pressure on me and I played so well because I was just like, whatever. So I think um, speaking on that too, it's just the fear of failure and making mistakes. I think that we need to Talk more about making mistakes. Like, you'll see me, like, if you were to come into a practice, I get more excited when my girls make a mistake during like ball handling drills or like things because I see them going hard and I see them learning. And I think you can relate to this as a coach. One of the most rewarding things is like you see them fail, 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 and then they finally get it and it clicks. And you just like, it's like this, like, hi, you're like, this is such a great feeling. So, like, do, um, being more open about talking about mistake response and like talking about um, being able to fail because, you know, again, there's such a stigma and and things with sports and like a lot of the things coaches do, like if you make a mistake, if I miss a shot, I'm getting pulled out. But it's like, do you really think I purposely meant to miss that shot? Like I'm just as mad as you are. Like, I want to make the shot too. Like, it's not like I'm purposely missing it. So I feel like, you know, being able to, understand how valuable mistakes are from a mindset thing and then going you know to confidence especially with the females you know I'm talking about like just psychologically like we talked about we're always aiming to please that's why like we might ask five million questions because we and we don't want to do anything wrong um but I feel like giving them that space to feel confident and asking a question or confident and like figuring it out like you're not going to disappoint me. Just figure it out. Like, like that's where you're going to learn those types of things like confidence. And like, you know, there's a whole other, you know, topic on this, but just how culturally like women are treated compared to men with sports. Like, if you think about it, you don't think when you think athlete, the first thing that pops in your head is male. Like you don't think female, you know what I mean? Our world kind of like has culturally and visually, like made it seem like sports are more for males, but women are like it's cool that women play sports. Like it's cool that we have like really top athletes, but like, you know, good for you. You know what I mean? It's like that type of thing. but it's like transitioning to like, no, you are an athlete, too. Boy, girl, whatever. you're an athlete. Mm-hmm. So, um just like those three topics, in which are broad and honestly, I could talk about each one for an hour plus each. But like, I would just say with the mindset world, mistake response, and learning to fail. Failure is good. Having confidence in your abilities, like in the hours and the sacrifice that you've put into your sport and rewarding yourself. Like when you're feeling like not confident, switching that mindset to, well, I've put in all these hours. Why am I not confident? You know what I mean? Then that goes into failure, mistake response, all that. And then um, I just literally lost my last point Well, the thing I just talked about. <laughs> I just But um, yeah, so I would say those are like you know, huge, and just being able to, like, say, I am an athlete, too, like, it's not female athlete, it's athlete, so I think those are pretty big points.
0: Okay, so, um, going with that a little bit, um, as a coach, right, do you, and I'm sure you train, or coach this to your athletes, Mm um, how, so there's the whole thing about, like, do you use this to your advantage to psych, to help your players psych their opposition out, or, like do you like if you notice somebody on the other team who might be not as confident as your player? Do you like tell your players, "All right, let's use what we know to our advantage," or how do you handle the situation, or or how do you prevent the the same thing from happening to your team? Like how do you prevent the other team from psyching your team out?
1: Yeah, I definitely use that to my advantage because as a point guard by nature, I just know that once you get the point guard out, your team can crumble. (laughs) So if I notice like a point guard is like on their knees and like, or like bent over on their knees or like tired or like you can just see it in their face, I'm probably going to tell my really, my best defender get in her face, like go up and guard her. Full court. You know what I mean? Like she's frustrated. She's that. Um, I'm a very, like, if you watch me coach, I'm very animated. <laughs> like my voice has been raspy for like two months because I don't stop talking and I'm very, like, but I'm energetic. Like I'm, I'm always trying to be hype for my girls. So, like, if they make a, if like a girl on the other team makes a mistake, because we did a really good job at defending, or we got like a five second count, I'm like right there with them celebrating. I'm loud. So just teaching them that kind of championship culture. So yeah, I definitely use that to my advantage because, Hey, if you're not mentally strong on the other team, like, I'm sorry, but it's, it's game time. I'm going at you. (laughs) But with my girls, it's just constant teaching of like, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. Like if they make a mistake, it's okay. Get back. You know what I mean? Clapping, getting them like, come on, get it. Like, and I might take the distraction away from like being excited and yelling, like, it's right. We got it like this. So it doesn't give them that time to pity themselves. You know what I mean? Like I'm always on that. And one thing I've really implemented during my, this like past year coaching is I might get on the girl for like the things I get on them for is like not listening or doing something that I just told them to do. And they completely blatantly like disregarded it, like did it. So I'll get on them or like, I'm really big on help defense. So like say they're not in help defense and we get scored on, like, I'm going to get on you for that. But then I specifically am like looking for you to make a good play or do something good so that I could cheer two times louder. So I feel like establishing those um, roles and or in those like expectations within coach to player. Now that they understand that I have their back and I am their number one fan. So then they don't have time to be mad at themselves. I'm all for players, like being upset. Like, of course you get mad if you miss a shot or you whatever, but it's like, I got taught it's like a two clap. So like the first clap is like, dang it. Like I messed up But then The second clap is I got it. Let's go. So like teaching them those like physical tools and like also going along with like how each girl is because some girls need words. Like it's kind of like I go back to kind of like the love languages. I think that's really important for coaches to understand because some girls you might just need to say one word to them and they're fine. Like some girls might need a high five. They don't want to hear words. They just need physical contact. You know what I mean? Some girls might need you to actually sit there and spend quality time with them going through a play and actually pulling them out of the game and saying, "This is why I got on you. If you do this, then it's going to be better." So I think um those are things that I've like looked up to people for as coaching mentors, but then me stepping into the game and me having coaches that I didn't look up to actually taught me more <laughs> because I'm like, I don't want to coach like you. So it's kind of that, like, that's kind of like my philosophy going into coaching and the, and the mental aspect of it.
0: Okay. That's No, that's awesome. That's really good stuff. Yeah. I'm the same way. I like, I look at my players, like it's rugby, right? It's an aggressive sport.
1: Yeah, yeah. Right? yeah.
0: Um, if a kid, if the ball's near them and they just stand there and don't do anything, I'm more <laughs> apt to like, you know, cause they don't want to make a mistake. I'm more apt to like be on them than if they made an aggressive mistake, right? Yeah. Aggressive mistakes are great. Cause they're being aggressive, you know, and it's just fixing what the, the actual, like their mindset was in terms of the, mm-hmm. the knowledge, um, or discipline, right? So if a breakdown of discipline, whether it's a breakdown of discipline with like a, a penalty that was stupid, or mm-hmm. breakdown of mental discipline in terms of like getting on a teammate for making a mistake, mm-hmm. right? Like those are the those are the times where like they're gonna, you know, or you know, and and, and my wrath comes out if like my players do something that's dirty or retaliatory, you know, because like that's not how we play. Um, outside of that, it's all positive and trying to like, you know, let's let's just focus on what we can do, what we can control you know and 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 do the best that we can do and at the end of the day if we play the best that we can and we made some mistakes but we played we tried hard you know and i hate saying try hard you know but like we played hard right we we did we we played to the best of our ability on that day the other team was just you know was better then so be it all right we it's a good loss you know um i don't want to take up too much of your time um but i know you have um a product coming up soon and it's about um collegiate basketball recruiting um Mm -hmm. for for females correct
1: yeah i mean it's my my company is specifically females but like this is for like anyone really um, who wants to play in college So Um, yeah talk about
0: that like the like why did you make up the why did you come out with this product and what the product is and how do you think it will benefit people yeah
1: yeah so it's called the recruiting system and it drops um it's may 24th is like the release date of it and Um, Pretty much it's just a guide to help you navigate through your recruitment journey because I had helped, you know, and got taught a lot of valuable things instead of like, oh, this college this college. Like I got taught, well, what college do you really want? What do you want in a college? What do you want in academics? Like, where do you want to go? Do you want to go out of state or do you want to stay close to home? So like starting off with answering a bunch of just prerequisite questions of just what do you want in teaching these athletes that, You're you can be picky with your college career in your college decision because this is you, like this is you making that decision. This is you committing to a school. This is you taking a chance on a school, you know what I mean? And like even now, like especially not all of us are gonna play pro. So it's about your career as well. So putting you in the best position. And like we talked about earlier, I have transferred and I so I'm going through um a lot of the things that I didn't think fully through. Like I thought that I the school was best for me, but I really was just too excited to commit. And I didn't take that one extra visit that I should have, you know what I mean? Or Or those types of things. So, I mean, I go through like how to email a coach, like the proper way, what should you include questions to go to bring with you on a visit that are really important to ask, like not just like what offense and defense do you run, but like specific questions that are going to make you feel comfortable with that coach, with that program, with that team, with that school, um, going through the mindset of college recruiting because it is it is overwhelming. There is a lot of information. There's a lot of emotions, especially like if maybe you commit late and you're seeing all these people commit and you're feeling like you're behind the eight ball. So being really like in tune with your mind during that. I have a lot of guest interviews from college coaches to college players to um, even a guy who runs these big Um, exposure tournaments that like a lot of big teams go to and a lot of coaches know him you know what I mean so bringing in all aspects of college recruiting so it's pretty much like I like to call it recruiting 101 but the name of it is the recruiting system so that's like a little gist of that and um, yeah it's for really it's for parents and for players because a lot of parents I know are lost like they haven't their kid hasn't gone through it so they don't know what what all entails, so I just kind of bring you through the behind the scenes of that process and what I learned from, you know, my recruiting and from other people that I've had conversations with too.
0: Oh, uh, It sounds like an awesome product. Now, is it specific to basket specific to basketball, of course?
1: Yeah, I talk a lot about basketball, like just because that's what I played. But really, like a lot of the things that like I talk about, any sport could benefit from um, because I'm not specifically. Like it's not a. Uh, like a recruiting tool specifically to like give you connections to college it teaches you how to connect with the colleges so really any sport can use it it's just my my thing is basketball so obviously everything's geared towards that but really any athlete or any parent who has an athlete can take a lot from each module in the course
0: cool and this is coming up the 24th so um, how can people get access to that?
1: Yeah, so you can get access through usgirlsbasketball.com or you can go to my Instagram, which is just j um, and just message me through there, or get like a link through there. So those are the few ways that you can
0: do that. Cool. All right, I know you're you're busy. You know you're a young entrepreneur. Um, so I have I'm going to finish up. All right, and I have um, my set of questions that I ask every guest. Okay, so uh, first one is. Um, do you have a favorite quote that you always refer back to that, like a mantra or just, um, whatever, and it could be about sports or it could be life. It could be about anything, but yeah, do you have a favorite quote.
1: Yeah, I am a definitely a quote junkie. So this one's hard. <laughs> I literally like how quote books on quote books on quote books, but I will say probably the one that was spoken over my life by my mom a, a while ago. And it's just always kind of popped up is um, she's clothed in strength and dignity and lasts without fear of the future, Proverbs 31, 25. Um, I just really love that because um, just, you know, with me, especially my faith, just knowing where I come from and stuff, but like just knowing that like all these life challenges and these hardships and these really, really down moments that I've gone through in my life, like I have that strength and I have that dignity and I can laugh at those things because I've learned and I've grown through all of that and knowing that, fear of the future is only going to hold me back. And I don't have to fear, um, you know, with with God in my life. So that's definitely something that I always go back to.
0: Cool. Awesome. Um, This is usually the toughest question for most people. um, Because once again, a a lot of people, um, you know, I assume you're a reader, because I know your dad is, but if you had to recommend one book, Right now it could be a book about mindset, life, sports, one book whatsoever that you feel that like everybody should read. What book is that?
1: Um I would say you, it's it's called You Are a Badass and then there's also a second one called You Are a Badass at Making Money and I'm I'm in I I've been like on and off reading that one for a few years. I think it's great because it just is like super like just self-confidence and like the mindset side and like like you are a badass, like you can do this, like, you know what I mean? Like type of thing and just, but giving you realistic tools in your life. And like, she has like so many like golden nuggets in the book that it's like, like you just like your whole book is highlighted. Like there's not like, it's like, there's so many points that you want to take. So I would definitely, I've, I've recommended that book to so many people and so many people have read it and it's, they love it. It's, it's a easy read, but.
0: Uh, who wrote, who wrote, who's the author?
1: Um, Her name is actually I can't let me pronounce her last name her last name's kind of hard it's like Jen Sin something s-i-n-c here I have the book right here I always forget I'm so bad with names but it's sincerio that's what it is Jen Censario so j-e-n and then last name s-i-n-c-e-r-o Okay. she's great and she has humor so the book's kind of fun like she yeah that's
0: out. that's the best one like they they yeah. make it like very relatable and not just yeah. like blah 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 blah, blah <laughs> <dry> stuff <laughs> a really good message but it's dry. Yeah. So, um awesome. All right. Um uh, next question. Um mm-hmm. and you know this was this is I make separate blog posts because I love this stuff. Um because I don't think there's some commonalities between my guests but there's always a different piece. Um your personal three keys to success.
1: Yeah. Um, I would say one, God, two, community, three, I would say, man, the three, that's hard because I feel like I have a lot. I would say accepting acceptance to failure. I think those are the three that I would say are my keys to success because I feel like, especially now coming into like a really good community, it's been absolutely amazing. And my success level has gone up because I have people who generally care and they want me to succeed and they, know my heart and they know my goals and they're there to be your cheerleader, but they're also there to be bold with you and tell you where you need to get better at or where um, you can grow at and those types of things. And then obviously fear of or accepting failure. We've talked about so many times in the podcast. So we know where I stand with that. And then, um, you know, my, my faith with God and just knowing my identity and, and purpose and that he's brought me through so many trials in my life. So, and brought is bringing me to like the point where I need to be at, now, so those are definitely, I would say, the three keys to success in my life.
0: Oh, that's, uh, no, those are all three very important ones. So, um, and th- the fear of failure, I think, is is the one which you get the most overlap on, right? Mm-hmm. So most successful people have to, ex- most successful people accept that they're gonna fail at some point mm-hmm. and they don't look at it as failure, but as an opportunity for growth. Yeah. So, all right, the last question, um, if you could step into my shoes, what is one question that you would have asked yourself um, that I didn't and tell us the question and then you have to answer it.
1: Okay. Wow. Um, I would say, <laughs> why are you so stressed? <laughs> yes. Yeah. I would say, why are you so stressed and why, why are why are you so pressed about everything? I would say um, I had, it's kind of like two goes along with the three, you know, points for success for me, but um, I was just, I'm very futuristic. So I'm very like, I want to succeed so bad. I want to, like, we talked about my pressure to prove, like, all of these things. And I always was like, so stressed about why am I not there yet? Like, that was always the question in my head. And literally just would cry all the time because I'm like, I'm working so hard and people are going to pass me and this, this, like, you know, all of these like mindset things, like negative and, and whatever. So I would say that's the question that I would like keep going back to myself, like, relax, <laughs> like stop being so stressed about it. And cause now that I've stepped into that position of like, I'm not as stressed and I'm a, I'm a lot more present. Like I'm still futuristic. I think goals are important. I think it's important to mm-hmm. think about the future, but I'm still honing in on the present and understanding what's going on now. That's probably my biggest question I'd ask myself.
0: So let me uh, take, uh, take that a step further and ask another question. I, so I lied. This is one more question, but, um, you're a different generation than me and your generation is, you know, you've grown up with uh cell phone and instant gratification, um, at your disposal, right. Mm-hmm. Or, or images of instant gratification. Right. So if like, you know, just, there's an app for that, right. Yeah. You think that, that, has contributed to your mindset of like, like, cause you know, you want to succeed, but it, do you think the fact that like you've, it, the, the generation you're in with that instant gratification, right. Mm-hmm. From their pocket. Do you think that has that contributed a bit at first initially to that mindset? And now that you've matured, you understand life and the way things work a little bit better
1: yeah one hundred percent um I mean, even just as a silly example, you know when I was like heavily on Twitter and stuff and like it was all about likes and all about retweets and and quotes shares and like all of these things and I remember like feeling really good about myself when somebody when a lot of people like recognized the tweet so they agreed with it or they did whatever or whatever and then I remember like having friends or having other people in my life that I follow that like they could tweet something. And for some reason, everybody likes it. But if I tweet it, it's not as like, like, like physically people liking it. And like, so stepping away from that world of like, Instagram likes don't matter. Instagram likes do not equal my worth. And I've been in a really good spot with that. I really attacked that when Instagram first, like, was popping and stuff. I was like, Jay, do not focus on that. Like, it is not about the likes. It is not about this. But I've seen friends of mine literally tear themselves up, delete the photo, think they're not good enough if like a certain person didn't like it or if so many people didn't like it. I'm taking it down. Like literally, I had someone say, "If I don't have this many likes in 15 minutes, then I'm taking it down." I'm like, "What?" Like, you know what I mean? But it comes to like that instant gratification. Like you see now, like um, I honestly think, and the thing is, is I've I'm not even that old, but in the fact that I see the girls that I coach now. It's in a way worse position, Like you can see it that they want just that. Yeah. Like that instant gratification or like they feel entitled because, oh, I go to practice. So like I have to play, but it's like, but what are you doing outside of practice? What are you doing? Like, you know what I mean? So it's like always that like entitlement and that's comes with sports. I mean, that comes with social media and how we run things like participation trophies, like, you know, all of, all of those things. And I mean, you see now like TikTok's the new thing. And you're getting people with, I'm talking like millions on millions of followers and they blew up essentially overnight. But a lot of these TikTokers that are really famous have only been on TikTok for just over a year. So that's quick to gain that many people in a year. You and I mean, so it's like when you see that you can instantly like something or instantly share or instantly comment, like it's that word instant, you know, instant gratification, all that stuff. Instead of being present in the moment and understanding that it's a journey, Right. and that you can go on it for that success.
0: Right. And I'm I'm curious, what's the uh, lifespan of some of those TikTokers? You know, like <laughs> what's their what's their five year plan? You know, because TikTok probably won't be a thing. Maybe it will be. I don't know. I'm
1: That's not. Uh, yeah that's why like because the whole thing is like staying relevant you know what i mean so it's like that's why you see a lot of people um like we talk about like songs like one hit wonder songs that's why some people there it's like a one hit viral and you're done so it's like a lot of it, like it this is a whole other topic but, you know so what do you do with the community you've built like it's you have to go outside of tiktok you have to go outside of all those things but that's what people don't it's the same thing with the like world and the mindset in basketball like yeah, just because I had a good game, I had one good game doesn't mean the next game is going to be good. I might've just been on that day, but if I don't go to the gym and start working again and elevating off of that really good game, then what's the point? You know what I mean? So it goes into everything. It's just, you kind of got to put yourself in a bunch of different shoes and,
0: and yeah. That's awesome. Now, Jay, this is uh this was an awesome interview. Um, you know, I, I think what you offer and your experience, um, you know you're a wise old sage at such a young age, um, and you really, um, you know, I'm sure the the girls that are under your tutelage are um, very lucky to have you. Um, so just let everyone know how they can get in touch with you if they want. Um, you mentioned it earlier, but let's just recap with it. And
1: yeah, yeah. So my Instagram is jtaftxlxl, and my name spelled J A E and the xo um, I'm the same on TikTok. I do just like different skill videos on there or whatever. And then, um, you can feel free to either DM me on Instagram or you can email me and it's just my name. So it's at j.tap.gmail.com. So if you ever want to reach out, those are the ways that you can, uh, get in contact with me.
0: Awesome. Jay, thank you so much for having me, uh, for, for being on the show. <laughs> um, and, um, for the audience, we'll be back next week with another exciting and informative guest. Until then, we'll see you next week.
1: Thank you.
0: Thanks for listening to the Nourish Sports Performance Podcast. Be sure to hit the like and subscribe button, as well as checking out the show notes for more information on our guests. You can find us on Instagram at Norris Sports Performance. Until next time, I'm your host, Judah Boulay, reminding you to train smart and recover smarter.